Say good morning, everyone. I almost heard Maple Grove and Elk River and people screaming at the screen of their online service, man. It is a good thing to be in church and to let it out when you sing. Don't just let somebody else sing for you. Let it come out of your own lungs and out of your own mouth. Turn to the person next to you and say, you better sing. <laughs> That's the way it's got to be. Don't, this is not theater religion. This is participative. This is responsibility that we have together. It's my honor today here at Emmanuel to welcome back to the pulpit uh, a friend, a leader, somebody I think is connected not only for one time, for years to come. Pastor Choco De Jesus is a major leader. He's a pastor in Chicago, multi-site church, but he's also a father to pastors and to leaders around the world, and he is being requested to speak in so many different places, internationally as well as nationally. He cares about the city. He has a voice, not just in the church, but also in the public square. The mayor knows his name. The school system knows his name. His church is making a difference in the real needs outside the church. And he truly is one of my models for what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> uh, there, you know, as a pastor, I need to have somebody to, to, to follow and to look to and to see how to lead. And he's been one of those figures. The last time he was here for our our weekend, 18 months ago, God met with us in our greater faith, our very first greater faith weekend, and he kind of blazed the trail. And today, in our lobbies on all three of our campuses, you can get his book. He told me before the first service, it's called Stay the Course. It's a brand new book that's out. Um, for Emmanuel, we're getting it for 10 bucks. Uh, everywhere else, it's for 15. So he, he gave us the wink, wink, Emmanuel deal. And you can get it in the lobbies after service. I'd like to just not take any more time up because I'm so excited about the word being preached today. Would you welcome to the pulpit here at Emmanuel, a great big Emmanuel welcome for Pastor Choco Dehesu. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You guys are too kind. My word. How many of you all were at the youth convention? Oh, praise the Lord. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, it's a joy to be back here in Emmanuel. My wife and I were here, as Pastor said, um, 18 months ago. And the transformation that's happened in this facility. How many of you all have been here like for over 20 years? Oh, how about 30 years? Ooh, child, 40 years. Yeah, we, we had the same, we had the same. Our church has been existing for over 55 years. I've only been the pastor for 17. And my father-in-law was a pastor. And I really get excited when I see a pastor dream. In a time where people are no longer dreaming. Where pastors are playing it safe. Well, you have a pastor that's not playing it safe. He wants to empty hell and fill heaven to the glory of God. He wants to expand God's kingdom. And I don't know about you, you know, I, when I look at a facility like this and how God has blessed you all and uh, things are changing, there are people who don't do well with change. Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. There are people like, I used to like the benches. They were holy. Listen, I went through the whole thing. I went through that thing. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask each and every one of you all, and those that are watching in different campuses, how many of you all here today would say, Pastor Choco, I pray to God that next Sunday this entire facility would be filled with people? How many would say that's what you want to happen? Whether you've been here 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Yeah, okay. Okay, so if that's your disposition, I want you to be ready because someone's going to sit in your chair. Come on now. You can't come to Pastor Nate and say, Pastor, I used to sit here for 28 years. And look who's there now. I don't even know who it is. No, you can't do that. You, you want to come next Sunday and that chair is filled with someone else. You say, glory to God. Bless the Lord. Souls are coming to Jesus. Because that's the, that's the, that's the thing of the church is to, is to advance God's kingdom. 
I love the last service. This is your last service, right? I love the last service. You know why? In my church in Chicago, I always tell the last service, I love that service because I can preach like for two hours. I just want to see who's leaving right now. Anoint them with oil. Amen. I just want to let you know that you guys are doing it. I travel around the world and throughout the United States, and there are churches that are just playing it safe. And you guys said, no, we're going we're gonna to change. We're, we want to advance God's kingdom. And we're going to reach the children. We're going to reach the prostitutes and so forth. And your pastor has that dream. So let's give it up for our pastor, Nate, and Pastor Jody. You guys have an amazing pastor. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. How many of you all are joining us? This is your first time here today. This is your first time coming to church today. Bless you. Welcome, 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 welcome. And the different campuses, welcome if this is your first time. Let me just tell you, somebody from Chicago, that if I was living here in this city, this would be my church. You, you don't have to look anymore. You found home. Come on now. This is, this is good soil, and we believe in your pastors here, and, and we've come from Chicago to endorse that, and we want to welcome those from Maple Grove, or Maple Grove and Elk River that are watching. Those that are watching online, we're excited that you have come to church today. And uh, we're glad you're here today, seriously. We're glad that whether someone forced you to come to church. How many of you all were forced to go to church today? Tell the truth. Got you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'll pray for you later. Amen. Bless you. And whoever forced you to come to church today, they love you. They didn't bring you to a club. They didn't bring you to a, a funeral. They brought you to a church so that you can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so that your life would be changed. Whoever brought you to church today, you should thank them. Amen. Amen. I haven't even started preaching. Amen. Hey, let me introduce my wife, Elizabeth. This is my wife of 29 years. She's with me. She's my traveling partner, one of our pastors in the church. And she was with me 18 months ago. My family has changed since last time you all saw me. How many of y'all were here with me last time? Okay, wow, praise the Lord, good group. Here's my family now. Go ahead and put the picture up. My family has evolved. So there's Elizabeth and I. Uh, this is my oldest daughter, Alex, and her husband, Anthony. They're music directors of our church at our, at, at our, our main campus. Then my son, who just got married in June, my son, he goes to Southeastern University. His wife, Eden, worship leader as well. They're working with the youth in Florida, Lakeland, Florida. And so we, they got married in June. And, um, and this is my youngest daughter, Jasenia, and her husband, Anders. They got married two years ago. Essentially, my wife and I, we are empty nesters. Yes. Any empty, empty nesters in the house? Yes. I'm not the type of parent that says, oh, y'all should stay. No. No, y'all got to go. You got to go, you got to go, you got to go. It's good to come home and still find frosted flakes in my closet. Amen. But my three kids, they love Jesus. They're involved in ministry. And last time I was here, I was not a grandfather, but here's my granddaughter, our granddaughter, Charlie Grace. This is Charlie Grace. She's now part of your family. How many grandparents we have in the house? Yes, I've joined the club. What, what, what a beautiful thing to be a grandparent. You could just bypass your children now and go to the grandchildren. Especially with technology. Now I FaceTime my daughter, Alex, my oldest daughter. And when I FaceTime her anywhere around the country or wherever I'm at, I say, where's Charlie? And she's like, Pop, you don't want to talk to me? I said, No. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Charlie. Amen. Amen. Well, we're grateful. We're grateful to the Lord. I want to also say that your church was very generous to us. 18 months ago, your church purchased a van to help us reach prostitutes and women who are addicted to human trafficking or drugs and the depression. This church donated a van. And every Friday night in the city of Chicago, you can rest assured that that van that you all donated is picking up women. And here are the pictures of the women of the farm. These are women. And we have a farm in Chicago and you all have blessed us and your pastor through his generosity and 
his heart for mission. I don't even know if we have the teen center. Do you have the picture of the teen center? We also opened up a teen. Uh, these are some women stole of the farm. Is that the only picture you have? Awesome. Okay. All right. We have a teen center. Now we have five girls or four girls and one guy. They're from the ages of 13 to 18 years old. Now we have taken them in. Their parents have given us uh, guardianship over them because they're out of control. And uh, we're now hopefully in March, we're opening up a boy's home because the average, average homeless person in America is nine years old. And so we are, we're engaging that culture. We're engaging the problems in our, in our city. We just can't be a church. Listen, y'all, we can't just come to church and, and say, we got to pray. We got to pray. Bless the Lord. We should pray. Yes, we should pray. But we, that prayer should convert to action. So when pastor says, hey, we're going to do this, we should get involved. Come on. Someone say amen. amen. Now, you all have to help me because I come from Chicago. My people, call, they talk back to me. Amen. Hey, stand with me for the reading of God's word. I'm old-fashioned like that. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. When you have it, say amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. This is out of my new book called Stay the Course. Pastor just alluded to it. And the title of this sermon is called Signs of Drift. Signs of Drift. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have what? Together. For what we have what? Heard. So that we do not what? Drift away. We must pay careful attention what they're preaching to us so that we do not drift because it is possible to be even in church and attend every Sunday and you're drifting in your faith. That is possible. You don't worship like you used to. You don't thank the Lord like you used to. You don't give like you used to. Something's happening. It has nothing to do with the new chairs. It has everything to do that you have drifted. Because the chairs don't make the church. The people do. So I'm here to tell you there are signs of drift. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. We ask that you would have your way. Open our hearts and open our ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. How do we lead? How do we lead in a culture that's drifting? How do we lead in a world that's dominated by fear? If you're taking notes, how do we lead? Hey, Emmanuel, have you ever noticed that no one drifts upstream? How do you lead? Have you ever noticed that no one drifts towards holiness? It is our natural tendency to break away from God and drift. A student's mind drifts from the teacher's lecture. A husband's heart or wife drifts during times of boredom or tension. A driver drifts into the next lane when they're daydreaming. And a believer's heart drifts when he sees a world filled with violence and assumes that God is not on his throne any longer. I'm here to tell you today that God is on his throne. He's not dead. I'm just trying to tell you that our culture is drifting. We see it. We have mixed emotions about it. We're afraid. We're concerned. We're saddened by the drift in our culture. Some of the things that you and I are seeing makes us scratch our head and say, what is going on up in here, up in here? If I had some rap music, I would rap that for y'all. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I'm in my church. Because only in my church would I rap, but man, I feel like I can rap here. In this room today, in this room, in this sanctuary, you can have a conversation with someone about what's going on in the world, politics, immigration, education, and you will get different responses from people just in this sanctuary. I'm just trying to tell you that the church is divided even in their own political views. This was never like this in the past. 
What you and I are seeing is unprecedented. Recent surveys by Gallup and Barnard Group reveal, watch this, a disturbing shift in our culture. In just in the span of only a few years, their surveys have found, based on set of 15 beliefs and behavior, 44% of Americans can be described as post-Christians. The number of Americans who support same-sex marriage has risen from 27% to 60%. Four out of 10 Americans cite worries over the loss of religious freedom. Don't send me an email. I'm just trying to give you the facts. I didn't do this research. I'm just giving you the numbers. In frustration, seven out of 10 Americans today, watch this, seven out of 10 of you all want political leaders who have clear both stands on issues that concern them over leaders that have character or political experience. I'm here to tell you that character does matter. It matters to God. God is more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort. But when you have Americans who say, I just want somebody who has a clear, bold stance. I don't care about their character. I don't even care about their political experience. What's going on? Our culture is drifting. And you just don't drift. Look at me. You just don't drift upstream. Going upstream takes work. You never drift upstream and you never drift against the tide because when whenever you want to get from here to there you must rise against the tide if you want to get from here to there you must rise against the tide what do you do pastor choco you start swimming you start paddling you come together in your life groups your connected groups you practice together in your worship team. You get in a boat. You do something. You come together as a team because going upstream takes effort. You must row, row, row your That's right. Gently down the stream. Because getting from here to there takes determination. You just don't show up to holiness. If you want to get from here to there, it takes determination. No one drifts towards holiness. You must row, row, row your faith. Drifting is not going to get you there. You must stay the course in a world that's drifting. You must stay the course. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to stay the course. Well, how do you stay the course, Pastor Choco? Well, you got to identify, look at me, you got to identify that there's a true north. We must establish a true north. People travel. Today is easy. My wife and I were talking about this. Thank God for the GPS. Come on. My word. Imagine what, what were we doing 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when we didn't have the GPS. We map. There's a difference between a map and a compass. Maps always change. There's always changing highways, streets. But a compass never changes. A compass will always point to you due north, magnetic north. No matter where you're at, where you've been, when you have a compass, the compass will tell you north is this way. Now, you can argue with the compass and say, no, north is this way. And the compass is like, I don't care. North is this way. You do whatever you want to do, but north is this way. It's not this way. And here's the problem with many of us in America that we're trying to find different routes to get to Jesus. We're trying to find different routes to get to the Father. And Jesus already told you that there's only one way to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Daddy unless it's through me. There are no different ways. And you and I have met people that say, all roads lead to God. No, they don't. Who said that? There's only one road. So this idea as Americans that we can 
make different routes. And then we all get there. My friends, there's only one. And the Bible is the true north. It's not going to change. You may not like it the way it's pointing, but the Bible says if you want to get to heaven, it's this way. Now the world is telling you there are all sorts of ways, and Hollywood is telling you there are all sorts of ways, but the Bible says it's this way. Are you with me so far? What do you do when the world is drifting, the culture is drifting? Without God, listen to me, without God at the center of your life, without him being the center of your marriage, your business, without God at the center of our hearts, we wander, we drift, and we're never truly satisfied. Can I just say this? Stop jumping around churches. The grass is only greener where you water it. Where you water. Anchor yourself here at Emmanuel. God has brought you here. Anchor yourself. And praise God for some of you all who've been here for 30, 40, 50 years. But today's culture, we're looking for what's in. What's in is that you get rooted. Are you with me? Mm, it's getting silent up in here, up in here. Without God, without God at the center of our hearts, we wander and we drift. We wander and we drift. There is a true north. The word of God is the true north. As I grew up in Chicago, the word of God became my true north. And God always reminded me, Choco, stay the course. Stay the course. The Bible says in Psalms 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I have learned, look at me, Emmanuel, I have learned that how we respond to what's happening in our culture, how we respond matters. And Christians respond in different ways. And if you want to have the best outcome, you should pay attention to your response. For instance, here's some of the responses that you and I know people are because of the culture drift in our culture. Watch this. The first response, if you're taking notes, is that people begin to accommodate this drift. They accommodate, and they, and they look at their shift in attitudes toward gay marriage, guns, and immigration, and other culture change, and says, Pastor Choco, it's no big deal. And besides, it's not right for us to judge. You ever heard people talk like that? Hey, I'm going to judge. I don't know if you are, but I'm going to judge. I do that all the time when my wife sends me to the fruit market. I pick up that aguacate, I'm like, hmm, mm-mm, 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 Jesus said, by their fruit, you should know them. I'm not going to judge your destiny, but I'll judge the fruit of your life. And some fruit, they stink. And so what people do when they see a culture drift, they accommodate. And they say, Pastor Choco, it's no big deal. Let them live the way they want to. Here's a second response, if you're taking notes. The second response to a culture drift is that people oppose. This group opposes change because they're terrified that the way of life is going to be taken away. And they are angry, watch this, and they only listen to Fox News. As if Fox News was the Christian station. The only station that you should listen to or the only Facebook you should have is the Bible. It's not CNN. It's not MSNBC. It's not Fox News. It's the Word of God. This is where you get your news. So you... So you get people who oppose what's happening in the world today. They oppose it and they become angry. And they only listen to stations that fuel their anger. So they oppose. Number three, here's another response that people do. They withdraw. This group assumes, what's the use, Pastor Choco? My voice means nothing in the big debates of immigration, gun control, racial conflict, violence, same-sex marriage. Those issues are too complicated. And anyway, I don't want to get in the line of fire between people who are angry. So you know what they do? They withdraw. 
Go ahead. Let them go to hell. That's what they want to do. Now, these groups, right, that I just mentioned to you, I've just given you three wrong examples. These three wrong examples to a cultural drift may seem completely good and right, but they undermine our identity as strong, compassionate, wise children of our heavenly king. For instance, those who accommodate change lose truth because behaviors that were called sin a generation ago become acceptable behaviors today. Those who oppose change can lose their sense of grace and love for those who disagree with them. And those who withdraw too quickly lose their God-given opportunity to represent him in a lost and confused world. And I've seen these three unhelpful responses isolate us, diminish our impact. And it hurts God's reputation. Well, Pastor Choke, of all these three wrong responses, which one's the right one? Number four, we must engage. We must engage. Jesus said, John 17, 13, 16, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of Minneapolis, but that you will protect them from the evil one. Stop asking God to take you. Tell God to help you engage this culture. With the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. He calls us. Watch this. He calls us. He calls you and I to be salt and light. And Matthew chapter 5. He calls you and I to be the salt and light. And with this identity and perspective, we interact with people with truth and grace in our engagement. With people, we follow the example of Jesus. He, he, went, he moved towards the outcasts. He went to the marginalized. He touched the lepers. He cared for those who were demon-possessed. He wept with those who were lost, who had lost loved ones. He felt genuine sorrow when others chose a different path. Too many Christians value their possession or their positions on issues more than God's command to walk in love. Being salt and light, Emmanuel, requires us to equally radically commit to love and truth, not one or the other. When Jesus said to you all, you're the salt and you're the light of the world, it wasn't a compliment, it was a responsibility. I know some of us would take those words and say, oh, that's so nice. Jesus said, I'm the salt, I'm seasoned, I have seasoned. When he said that you're the salt and the light of the world, he was telling you this because there was a world that was living in darkness and there was a world that's deteriorating that needs salt. And you and I know that salt preserves. So it's not a compliment. It's a responsibility. I must engage this culture. I represent another kingdom. I must engage the lepers. I must engage what's happening in our society today. We must engage it. Are you with me? So what's the remedy? Number one, what's the remedy to a culture drift? You got to know your identity. You got to know who you are. Can I talk to you for a moment? Uh, I had a meeting with a lesbian lady who said, I'd like to meet with you at the cafe. So no problem, let's meet. I get to the cafe, boom, she's standing. She says, my name is so-and-so, I'm a lesbian. And before I sit down, I just wanna let you know that I'm a lesbian. I said, my name is Pastor Choco, and before we sit down, I'm gonna tell you that I'm straight. <laughs> now sit yourself down. I said, mija, if you plan to serve Jesus, there is no rainbow flag. There is no Puerto Rican flag, there is no American flag. Only the flag of righteousness. One of the remedies of a culture drift is that you got to know who you are. You're a child of the living God. Your daddy is a king. 
He's no punk. Many of us are walking like, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, Pastor Chaka. I'm living a Victoria life. My word. If you might be feeling that inside, but you're outside, your face doesn't know that. You need to tell your face. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Glory. You got to know who you are. I went to Burkina Faso, Africa, West Africa, with a delegation from our church. We were bringing, we were building the Christian schools in a Muslim country. And they said, Pastor Choker, we want to take you to see the king of the Mode tribe in Burkina. I said, no problem. Let's go see the king. So they take me to the palace. And before they took me into the palace, they said, there are, there are some protocols. All right? You, you look at the translator. Don't look at the king. Look at the translator. And the translator looks to the king. I said, no problem. So they brought me into the palace. They sat me down in my chair. And there was a chair in front. And there was a chair in the distance. And I knew that it was the king's chair. So we both sat down, myself and the translator. And then the music played. I knew that the king was coming out. I'm not looking at the king. But I can see him from the corner of my eye. He sits down. The music stops. The translator looks to me and I said, before we start talking to you and why we're in Burkina Faso, I want you to tell your king that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He says, uh, he says, you want me to do what? I said, I want you to tell your king I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He turned around in his mode language, told the king, Pastor Choco said, that he is an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And he represents the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then from the corner of my eyes, I can see the king getting up from his chair. Broke protocol. I'm thinking to myself, I'm dead. <laughs> I didn't even say goodbye to my wife. I have offended the king in Burkina. And he walks towards me, towards my chair, places his hands on my shoulder and says, in pure English, would you pray for me in Jesus' name? You got to know who you are. You got to know that your father is a king. Walk like it. Talk like it. Act like it. I got it. Here in America, you and I, we're in the minorities. I got it. We're no longer the majority. Being a Christian is no longer cool. I got it. We're what, what, what people would call, we're a counterculture. But I love it that we come and we disrupt with light, truth. You may not like it, but it's pointing this way. It's not my Bible. I'm just preaching it. It's not even my message. Someone once told me, said, you know, Pastor Choco, you, your ears are come from your father's side. Your nose, your mouth is from your mother's side. You walk like your uncle. You got hands like your grandfather. I started thinking, wait a minute. Nothing I have is mine. Not even this message I'm preaching. It's not my message. So don't kill the messenger. I'm just giving you the truth. You've got to know who you are. You've got to be able to represent. And Chicago, being 18 years old, 20 years old, there was always gangbangers coming after us, even coming out of church. That we had to, we had to create our own little gang, the guys in the church. Because in Chicago, I don't know how it is out here in Minnesota, but in Chicago, you've got to be like a pack. And one day we were walking down the street, and the vice lords were there, and there was like 15 vice lords, and, and, and one of our guys said, hey, Pastor Choco, there's 15 vice lords, and what are we going to do? There's only four of us. I said, here, follow my lead. So we crossed the street towards the gangs, and when I get to the gang banger, I said, who's the leader of this gang? They told me the guy, the leader. I said, my name is Choco. What's your name? Boom. He says, what do you represent? I said, I represent Jesus. What do you represent? You just can't be afraid in the world that's drifting. You got to know who you are. Now that's going to offend some people. I got it, but it's going to offend them. This is north. This is not north. There's only one way. Number two, what do you do? What's the remedy when there's a culture drift? You got to watch the undercurrent. 
How many know what's an undercurrent? You see it on the beaches. Watch the undercurrent. That's something you don't see. It goes opposite to the current on top. An undercurrent sucks you in. So here it is. Anything, look at me, anything that goes opposite to the word of God is an undercurrent. It's trying to suck you in. That's an undercurrent. Number one, you got to know who you are. Number two, you got to watch the undercurrent. And here's the, here's the problem with America. America dream, the American dream is to have it all. The kingdom dream is to lose it all. I'm just trying to tell you. I want to remind you, my friends, that we belong to another king and a different kingdom who's established a true north that says this way towards heaven. Hollywood will try to tell you it's this way, and there are a lot of ways. I'm telling you there's only one way. And God's will for you all, and those who are watching across this nation and the different campuses, God's will for you is to refuse to conform to the patterns of this world. He's already given you a plan. And we must not deviate from that plan or drift from that plan. So number one, you got to watch the undercurrent. Let me tell you this. One of the remedies of a culture drift, number three is you got to keep coming back. You got to keep coming back. You got to keep coming back to what the Bible says. So number one, you got to know your identity. Number two, you got to watch the undercurrent. Number three, you got to keep coming back. When did, when did coming to the altar become unpopular? When was it that reading the Word of God was unpopular? You got to keep coming back. I was going from Dallas to Chicago. It's a two-hour flight from Dallas to Chicago. And when the plane landed in Dallas, the cockpit door opened, and I ran inside to the cockpit. The captain was a little bit terrified. He said, hey, I'm a pastor here in Chicago. We just flew for two hours. I just have a question. He said, sure, pastor, what's your question? I said, we've been flying for two hours. How many times did you guys touch these buttons in the cockpit? He says, oh, that's easy. A couple thousand times. I said, a couple thousand? Here, I'm thinking back there that you guys are sleeping. He says, oh, pastor, no. The moment we took off at O'Hare Airport, we started making adjustments because of the wind, the tailwind and the headwinds. We got to keep adjusting the plane to this original flight plan. Because if you don't, you find this plane somewhere in the ocean. I said, give me the percentage. Out of 100%, what's the percentage that the plane was on target? He said, that's easy. Only 1%. The other 99%, we're adjusting ourselves to make sure it lands in Dallas. Because if we do not, we'll find ourselves somewhere in Seattle, another state. And I started thinking, my word, this is what happened to the church. We, we stopped coming back. We stopped adjusting our lives and making sure we stopped fasting, we stopped praying, we stopped worshiping. And when we stop doing these things and God is no longer the center of our lives, we wonder. And when we wonder, everything bothers us. The worship bothers us. The new chairs bother us. The Puerto Rican preacher is bothering me right now. Because you've wondered. You don't pray like you used to. You don't worship like you used to. You don't give like you used to. You just stopped coming back and finding out where you are at as a husband, as a wife, as a man of God, a woman of God. I'm not adjusting my life. Pastor Choco, years have gone by. Number four, what's the remedy? We must repent. <gasps> he just said the R word in church. Repent. And we Americans, we Americans don't like to repent. 
Because to repent means to assume I'm wrong. And we don't like to be wrong. We're number one. Look at the college football. When the camera comes to them, we're number one. We're number one. I'm thinking to myself in Chicago, no, we're not. We're number 27 in reading in the world. We're 26 in math. We're not number one. So we as a culture, we don't repent anymore because to repent is to assume I'm wrong and we don't like to be wrong. And here's what we have done. If there is no need for repentance and we have diminished it for a mistake, I made a mistake. If it's only a mistake, if it's only a mistake, then there's no need for Jesus. If I just made a bad decision, Pastor Choco, and yet the Bible calls it a sin, and we have modified it, and we said, it's a bad decision, then there's no need for Jesus. Can I just tell you this morning, that repentance is good, it's healthy, it's refreshing to come before the Lord and say, God, I have drifted. I have drifted. I have allowed the news media to dictate what kind of man of God I'm going to become, a woman of God. I've drifted. A scared world needs a fearless church. There's a world out there that is scared. And what they need in Minnesota is a fearless church that would walk into the gates of hell and tell the devil, not in my watch. Not on my watch. Not only are we gonna pray, but we're gonna take back what the devil stole from us. That's what the world is looking for. The world already knows that the government is up the creek with no paddle. But the church needs to know where they're going. We need to know and that we're not drifting with this culture. You know this very well. It was April 1912. Some of you read it. It was 2.20 in the morning. The Titanic, the ship that was called the unsinkable ship. Not even, not even God can sink it. 2.20 in the morning. Maybe you don't know this, but on that day, the Titanic was worn not one time, not two times, not three times, four times from different ships. And the ship's operator was telling the operator for the Titanic, stop, change your course, glazers ahead. And do you know what the operator of the Titanic sent back to that other operator? Leave me alone. I'm sending messages. The other operator went to sleep. The other operator from Titanic kept sending messages. I want to tell you here this morning that the Titanic didn't sink because it hit an iceberg. I know we've read that, but I want to tell you that the Titanic sank because it couldn't repent fast enough. And repentance means change. Change your course. Change your attitude. Change your behavior. You're going to destroy your marriage. You're going to destroy your family. You better change. How many times does God have to warn you? How many times does he have to send a prophet to speak to you? Change. You're heading to disaster. Stand with me this afternoon for a moment. Stand with me for a moment. How many times does God have to warn you? Look at me, church. And those that are watching across this nation and on our different campuses, making corrections are good. They're right. They're necessary to stay on track. 
And when we notice, look at me, when we notice the need to come back to God, we take three steps. One, we must admit that we have strayed away. Two, we must thank God for his forgiveness. Three, we must make a new commitment to the flight plan that God has for you. He has a plan for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. My friends, repentance is a good thing. You must leave the basement of depression and get to the penthouse. It's a better view up there. You'll be able to see what God has for you. But you must leave the basement of compromising and depression and get to the penthouse and see what God has. Say, God, I've strayed. I'm sorry. I want to commit myself to the original flight plan that you have for me. The Bible, my friends, is the true north. It's not changing. Regardless of what you and I say, it's not changing. God is not going to change. With every head bowed, every eyes closed all over this place and those through the campuses that are watching this across this nation, repent. Martin Luther, the reformer, when he nailed the 95 Theses in the Wittenberg Church, the first one read, when our Lord Master Jesus Christ said, repent. Luther understood that the Christian life cannot be lived without a constant corrections to come back to God and his purposes. Come back, come back, come back. True repentance requires humility. Let's do what we can to change. Let's come this morning to the altar and say, God, I have drifted. How many of you hear the sound of my voice and those that are watching across this nation and our different campuses? With every head bowed and every eyes closed, how many of you hear the sound of my voice and say, Pastor Choco, this sermon was for me. I've drifted. I've withdrawn myself. I've opposed. I've accommodated. But I feel convicted now. I should be engaging this culture. I need to go back to God's original flight plan. If that's you here this morning, lift your hands quickly all over this place and say, this sermon was for me. God has ministered to me through your words today. Up in the balcony, hands are coming up. Here in the main lobby. Those in our different campuses, those that are watching online, today is the day of repentance. If you raise your hand on the top in the balcony, come in the front, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to leave your seat and come. We're going to pray with you quickly. Come right now. Your first step, your first step will be your step to repentance. You will never be the same again. Up in the balcony, I'll wait for you. Come, come. You can come around side as we begin to sing. Come. He loves you. For your name alone, I he loves 
you repeat this prayer with me this afternoon repeat this prayer with me dear Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I confess I confess I'm lost without you I'm lost without you I need you in my life I need you in my life forgive me of all my sins I repent I change dear Jesus clean my heart and clean my mind from this day forward I submit to your flight plan for my life. Write my name in the book of life. And by faith, I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. Come on, worship the Lord with me this afternoon. Hallelujah. Stay right where you're at. Come on, worship with me. 